Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I think what you end up doing is you may end up creating, for all intents and purposes, another sun. So we wanted an anti-sun and now we're getting double sun. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you've made things materially worse. Welcome to Dead Planet Society from New Scientist, where we almost always make things materially worse. This is a podcast where we imagine what it might be like if we were given cosmic powers to rearrange the universe. I'm Chelsea White, Senior News Editor at New Scientist. And I'm Leah Crane, Physics and Space Reporter at New Scientist. And I have a degree in physics. And I don't. Uh, Leah and I have spent years writing and editing stories together about planets and stars and moons. And along the way, we often ended up asking these hypothetical questions like, you know, what if Jupiter wasn't in the middle of the solar system? What would we happen without all of its gravity holding things there? Yeah, or what if we blasted all the water on Earth over to Mars? Or stole all of Saturn's moons? Yeah, so I would, you know, sort of pepper Leia with these questions. And she would go off and do some research and ask some experts. And all the answers were really interesting. Yeah, except they did almost always end in everything getting destroyed. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> that did become a little joke between us, right? Like, what's the answer to any question you ask about moving something in the universe? Well, first off, everyone ends up dead. So then it became this game. We would imagine just how much destruction we could cause if we just, you know, put a black hole in the middle of Saturn. And just like that, Dead Planet Society was born. In this season, we get to talk to a bunch of really great astrophysicists and geologists and planetary scientists about just how much damage we could cause out there in the cosmos. Like, what if we punched a hole in a planet or chiseled Earth into a cube? Even when we started off with good intentions, like making Venus habitable or reinstating Pluto as a planet, it pretty much always ends badly. Yeah, and honestly, things go pretty badly with our topic today, <laughs> which is how can we kill the sun? You know, it's the biggest target in the solar system, so we're really going for gold out of the gate. But I have a lot of questions. Like, first of all, can we kill the sun with water? Or blow it up, maybe? Or maybe we could turn it into a black hole. I mean, we'll find out. And no matter how we kill the sun, it's going to be extremely bad for everyone. Right, and it's not going to be easy. Leah, do you think we can kill it? Sure we can. Of course. <laughs> How do you think we should start? I mean, okay, so the sun, I mean, this is pretty basic, but it's fire, right? Like, it's a big ball of fire. Or is that, you know, 
severely undercomplicating things. <laughs> it is a lot more complicated than that. There's fusion and everything, but I think Big Ball of Fire is close enough for me. Okay, well then my first instinct is to fight fire with water. So here's an idea. What if we had a big orb of water the same size as the sun? Uh, could we, you know, put it out? Like if we put it in the sun, would it do a big sizzle? <laughs> you gotta walk it back just a few steps there. Step one, make a giant orb of water in space. I mean, how hard could that be? Pretty much impossible. Uh, so let's assume that we're sorcerers and we can conjure the water out of nowhere. Yeah, okay. Here at Dead Planet Society, we have a cosmic tool belt and it contains anything we need. The whole thing is just a lot more fun if we can do magic. Absolutely. So then I guess let's talk about how we get this water orb. I mean, we need the sun's mortal enemy. So how much water would be in it? Like how many oceans worth? Hang on. Got to go do some math real quick. Oh, yes. This is the best part about having a friend who knows physics. Math it for me, Leia. Okay, I did the math. It's almost exactly one billion times all the water on Earth, including ice caps. Whoa. I mean, I guess it should be a lot, but does that much water even exist in the solar system? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but we're magicking it there. Okay, cool. Great. So we've got the big ball of water in space. The surface is going to freeze right away, and the middle will probably boil or there might be a bunch that sublimates right away into space. But let's just assume that our magic powers can at least keep all the water together in Wait, a ball. What? I? Why would it boil? I thought initially that maybe it would sort of, you know, freeze and crunch down into like a solid little ice moon, if anything. Well, there's going to be really high pressure at the middle, but I got to be honest, I'm not really sure what would happen. Which is why we talked to Paul Byrne, who's a planetary scientist and a professor at Washington University in St. Louis, to figure that out. Okay, so we asked Paul, if we gather a bunch of water into a huge ball in space about the size of the sun, what would happen to it? Okay, so the sun is freaking huge. Like, yeah. Like, it's really big. So we're talking about a lot of water. And when you get to those scales, stuff doesn't behave the way you think it should. So it would probably self-gravitate, right? It will hold itself in a ball, but it will, it will have a lot of gravity in the inside because it's got a lot of mm -hmm. mass. And so it'll definitely shrink from starting off the size of the sun. And I don't oh. know, I don't think it would, it would get to the point where the temperatures and pressures would be so high in the middle that it would generate fusion, but it could turn into a brown dwarf within a few seconds. And I think what you end up doing is you may end up creating, for all intents and purposes, another sun. So we wanted an anti-sun and now we're getting double sun. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you've made things materially worse. So first things first, this would look absolutely nuts. Yeah, I mean, this giant wiggly water ball just flying toward the sun. I think it would look kind of glorious. It would be so terrifying. <laughs> but regardless, off it goes. Wait, no, before it leaves, I have about a thousand questions. <laughs> if this sun-sized water orb was hanging out near Earth, what would it look like from here? Like, would it take up this huge proportion of the sky? First off, we do have magic powers, so we're going to create the water orb right next to the sun so it falls in. <laughs> okay, I guess that's easier, sure. But if we did decide to make it right near Earth, I'm not sure what it would look like. So we asked Paul again. Are we talking about it being the size of the sun? Because if it's the size of the sun and it's got more mass than the sun, it's have a much greater gravitational effect than the sun. And if you want to put something that's much more powerful, if gravitationally powerful than the sun at the moon's orbit, it would immediately shred us. 
we would be well within what's called the Roche limit, which is the point beyond which the physical integrity of a material is broken apart by gravitational effects. So if you want to put this magic water ball where the moon is, I don't even think it would be like, oh, we have time to say goodbye. I don't know what it would do if you just somehow materialized it, but yeah. it would just, it would seriously wreck the planet and probably do so very quickly. And I'm sure it would pull the atmosphere off and it would physically disaggregate the planet. Would it look, yeah, it would look amazing for the few seconds before you die. Yeah, so this <laughs> snapshot though, that's what I, okay, we're gonna die. That's a given. Okay. <laughs> it's a like, given because we're trying to put selfie. out the sun. Right, okay, right, okay. So you've put, this, you've put this thing that's many times the mass of the sun at the lunar distance. The sun is 1.4 million kilometers across. The moon is 384,000 kilometers away. So if you put the edge of this thing where the moon is, yeah. we're still above it. Right. But I assume it would occupy the entire sky. Yeah. But what I wanted to know is like, would it diffract light and, and look like a weird disco ball? Okay, so it depends on what the magic is doing, right? Because for example, if the water is in contact with space, it's gonna, it's gonna sublimate and boil, but also freeze. So there'll be a big vapor cloud. Uh, or maybe I'd say somehow it has an atmosphere. It has like a, a steam atmosphere, in which case it'll look kind of diffuse. And it would just be this, this kind of weird bright thing in the sky. Well, also, is the sun still there? Like, because if this thing yeah. isn't somehow hot, it's not emitting light. So maybe it's reflecting light. Well, it would be, it would be the sky would be like a white color all the way across, I'm assuming. Because we'd be looking at the steam atmosphere of this thing, which is maybe full the of rainbows, though. Uh, probably not. <laughs> oh, bummer. No, no. Oh. And, and, and also, I also don't know what I would do because, like, I'm trying to work out what the parameters of the magic are because if it's, it's magic. Close, we we make the rules around here. Oh, so. Okay, okay, okay. But the thing is, if we are this close to this object, the atmosphere is not going to remain gravitationally bound to Earth. It's going to go to be gravitationally bound to this thing. So the atmosphere is going away, and probably doing so very quickly. And that's going to bring some pretty bad winds. So what will that oh. do to the optical properties? I have no idea. But suddenly, our, we won't be able to breathe for very long because there'll be <laughs> you know thousand mile an hour winds tearing, scouring the part of the planet off as this gas goes to join this thing. Okay, fine. So we're making it right near the sun and we crash it into our star. What happens? Steam. <laughs> Is that it? Can water not fight the firepower of the sun? <laughs> Sorry, that was just my first guess, but there probably would be a lot of steam because of the sun being hot. I mean, right, but I need to know how much of the sun we might extinguish, if any. Are we going to kill the sun or just kind of annoy it? My instinct is that it wouldn't work at all. I mean, honestly, mine too. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we got Paul to help again. All right, so as I suspected, better idea to put the water ball right next to the sun and then just push it in. <laughs> okay, you wouldn't have to push it in. Because right, if it's let the it size fall of the in. sun... No, the sun will go into it because it'll be more massive than the sun. Yes, like, it's going like, to eat like the as sun. Big, as big as the sun is, the sun is 99.9% helium and hydrogen. Right? We're talking about a ball the same size made of water, and the density of hydrogen is very low compared to water. So this thing is going to have a far greater gravitational field than the sun will. The sun will go into this thing. I guess if someone try and spiral into it, and then probably be, be, be stretched out, like a neutron star going into a black hole. Unless you, unless you somehow eat them together. Like, you don't let them gravitationally interact, you just collide one. Yeah, we're, we're putting them in there with velocity, yeeting them at each other. I honestly don't know what that would do. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't kill the sun, though, right? Would it extinguish any part of the sun? Okay, like so you said, like, if we're noodling the sun, like, we're stretching it out. Okay, so, so 
let's say what it's not first, right? So it's not combusting, right? And so the canonical idea we have if there's a fire is that you put water on it because the water does two things. It removes the oxygen and it, removes, it reduces the temperature below the combustion point. Mm -hmm. So there's no equivalent in, because it's not, we often say the fire, that the sun is burning hydrogen to form helium, but, but it really it's fusing it. However, for that fusion to happen, the fusion only happens in the core of the sun, which is about 25% of the total diameter of the sun, it's the middle bit. Everything else is, you have a radiative zone, you've got convection, but the energy you're making from, from matter, the matter energy conversion is happening in the core. So that is happening because the pressures and temperatures there are so high, you can physically fuse hydrogen. So if you change the pressure temperature conditions in the core, you will presumably end the fusion process. Now, I don't know what other weird funky things would happen. And this is where we get into the realm of brown dwarfs, which I'll come back to. I kind of alluded to this a minute ago. So if you somehow noodled out the sun, you would be reducing the pressure and presumably stopping the fusion process. Or if you introduced a load of other material at a much lower temperature, it might take a while for the temperature to equilibrate, and that might also help reduce the internal temperature in the core. And that might drop below the threshold required for fusion. So my impression is that this might slow the sun down, but eventually you're just going to end up with a bigger star yeah, what you what you'll have actually done is adding to it like an enormous amount of fuel, because <laughs> it, the temperature would split the water. Like I don't know why you pick water and not like foam, although foams <laughs> are water based too. But what it's probably going to do is split the water into hydrogen and oxygen, and low the hydrogen is the fuel the sun uses to burn. If you could somehow physically break the sun into a different shape, that I think would go a long way to helping, because then you would you would remove that high pressure condition inside the core. So noodling it, if you could, I think that might be a way of doing it. And if you somehow allowed this ball and the sun to hit each other, then they would presumably collide. I'm assuming this. They would collide in the manner that we know planets collide when we have simulated these in computers, and both objects splash together. Mm -hmm. And if that were to happen, at least for a while, you would physically disaggregate both the sun and the ball of water. And you would just have this big incandescent vapor cloud of, I don't know, what. But would it condense again? Probably would, yeah. Yeah, so we it's just like locally, disrupted yeah. the sun. You disrupted. You bought yourself some time. Well, I think well, we've ruined things for a while. Oh, you, you have. Yeah, you really. Yeah, the, the, all the orbits in the solar system will be affected. Right, we've yeah. annoyed the sun, and now it's going to get us. But not just us. Like it's going to affect. Like because the sun's gravitational field <laughs> is, extends out almost a quarter of the way to the next sun, the next star system, Proxima Centauri. You are locally perturbing the orbits of other stars in the neighborhood with this ball oh. you invented. Oh, no. I love this. <laughs> I thought we were just going to destroy this solar no, system. No, no, no. You have made this one, much, you've made it much worse for everybody. Okay. I mean, maybe we need to ramp up our efforts. What will it take to kill the sun? <laughs> Man, you are determined. Um, if we really want to kill the sun, I say we take it the other direction. No more quenching. We know that doesn't really work. Before we switch it up, though, a quick ad break. We have a special offer for our listeners. You can get four weeks of New Scientist free, followed by a monthly subscription price of $9.99. That's in dollars or pounds. You'll get unlimited access to our website and app, plus subscriber benefits, including newsletters, essential guides, and invitations to subscriber-only events. Go to newscientist.com slash DPS offer to start your four free weeks. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, we're back. So Leia, if we can't put the sun out with water, are you saying we should blow it up? Do you have some kind of cosmic grenade? Anything's a cosmic grenade if it's big enough. I say we stick with water orb, but super huge. Are you thinking that if we pack enough mass onto the sun, it'll do the exploding itself? I mean, if we throw enough at it at once, will it go supernova? Not quite. As far as I know, there's no way to force a supernova to happen immediately. You can get it big enough so that when it dies... It'll explode in a supernova, but then you have to wait billions and billions of years for it to burn through all that fuel and actually die. Yeah, I don't have that kind of patience. (laughs) But what we could do, I think, is turn it into a black hole. Ooh, now we're talking. Yeah. Throw enough mass into a small space and it'll collapse. Bingo, bango, instant black hole. I mean, that sounds bad, but let's do it anyway. (laughs) How much water would we need to gather to make a black hole out of the sun? Please, can you map this one for me, too? Of course. Okay, so we're going to have to do two things. First, add a bunch of water to the sun and then either wait a super long time, which we don't want to do. Yeah, we already said no thank you to that. (laughs) Or we can crush it down really small. Okay, so we need one of those like lemon juicer things, right? Where you squish it, but (laughs) sun-sized. We can add it to the cosmic tool belt. Okay, so assuming we have our giant juicer... We need the sun to be around three times its current mass. That's about how heavy the very smallest known black holes are. So we need two water suns? (laughs) Yes. Oh, no. (laughs) So then we put those water suns in the regular sun, and we squish it up real small with the juicer, and out comes black hole, right? I mean, I feel very powerful. (laughs) Yeah, and then we lose our cosmic juicer because it falls (laughs) in, and also the black hole sun is extra massive now, so probably the planets fall in too. Rough. Okay. (laughs) So permanent night on Earth, and we're flying towards our demise. Mm -hmm. Um, Seems cool. (laughs) Uh, But wait, I have another idea. So I forgot for a second that we had these magic powers. So what if we just blipped the sun out of existence? Well, the sun's about 8.3 light minutes away. So for eight minutes, we would have no clue that anything had happened as the light from the pre-blip sun kept hitting Earth. I mean, you and I would know because we blipped it <laughs> Because we did but, it. <laughs> but nobody else would. Uh, and then suddenly, the sun would stop. Spooky. So then we'd all freeze to death, I assume, right? <laughs> or would we die in some other way? Oh, we'd all freeze to death for sure. Uh, but it would take a few days, I think, for the planet to cool down enough to, for that to happen because the atmosphere does insulate us a little bit. Okay, so but some pretty bad dark days, huh? Yeah, it would suck a lot. (laughs) All the humans and all the surface animals would die. Photosynthesis would stop. Eventually, the oceans would freeze. It would just be overall bad. Yeah, but are are you saying that the whales would outlive us? Like, just a little bit? Oh, definitely. The whales would outlive us. Oh, I like that for them. 
Okay, so this weird wave of darkness would hit the inner planets first, so they would freeze over too. And then we started with killing the sun, and now we've killed the entire solar system. (laughs) Oopsie daisy! (laughs) Um, And they wouldn't just be dead. They wouldn't feel the sun's gravity anymore because of the sun not being there. Right. (laughs) I'm guessing that would leave the planets just rushing away from their orbits towards the outer edges of their solar system, right? Yep, everything would just keep going in a straight line in whatever direction it was heading when the sun blipped away. And is there any way to just catch them all? Could Jupiter, one of my least favorite planets, step in and sort of save the solar system? We'll deal with your incorrect opinions on Jupiter another time. Well, they're not incorrect, but sure, we can come back to that. Maybe we can kill Jupiter, too. Maybe. Uh, Anyway, nope, it's not saving anybody. There's a chance some of the planets might smash together, depending on where they all are in their orbits when we disappear the sun, but they're not getting caught back into any reasonable configuration ever again. So it's goodbye sun, goodbye moon, goodbye all the rest of you. And to all a good night forever. And if you enjoy our podcast, you might also enjoy my free monthly space newsletter, Launchpad. Check it out at newscientist.com slash launchpad. And finally, if you have any cosmic object you want us to figure out how to destroy, let us know, and it could be featured in a later episode of the pod. Our email is deadplanets at newscientist.com. And if you just want to chat about this episode or, you know, wrecking the cosmos more generally, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Chels White. And I'm at Down Here on Earth. Bye. Your giant juicer itself, by the very... Fact that it exists, it would be a doomsday device. It doesn't even have to juice anything. <laughs> it just has to exist. And you could just you, you wouldn't even need to fly it into a planetary system, you could fly it near a planetary system and disrupt everything. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.